Welcome to Total Retail Talks, your podcast channel for retail knowledge. Hello and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Talks. I'm Joe Keenan, the Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail, and I'm uh, pleased to be joined on this episode by Mary Ellen Coyne, the CEO of Jay McLaughlin, as well as Kevin McLaughlin, who is the co-founder and Chief Creative Officer of Jay McLaughlin. We're here at the ICR conference in Orlando. Mary Ellen and Kevin uh, actually just presented here at the show. Uh, we're going to talk to them a little bit about the Jay McLaughlin business. Um, so thanks for the two of you and joining me. Thank you, Joe. We're happy to be here. So to get us started, um, I'd love to kind of just get a overview of the Jay McLaughlin business. I think uh, most in our audience is probably familiar with it, but for those that aren't, uh, maybe you can give an overview. Business was started by my brother Jay and I uh, 46 years ago now. We, uh, we were involved in some other ventures. I was working part-time in a clothing store on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And frankly, I was, I was shocked at the, the quantity and quality of, of customer that, that was there. And I t- said to Jay, you know, like, we should give this a try. And uh, frankly, we, 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 we pounded the payment, hunted around, and found a, a location. Literally built the store ourselves and with a very small uh, investment, opened our first shop. That was in, as I said, in 1977. We, we kind of kept our head down and kept reinvesting and opening stores and moving along. And um, the result is what I would uh, say is a, uh, uh, humbly, is, is a great brand with a very loyal customer base. You mentioned a little bit about your background. Did your brother come from kind of a retail background as well? What was he doing prior to opening your first location? Yeah, you know, this just shows you how dated it is. We were renovating brownstones in Brooklyn. It was the beginning of the of the sort of urban revival of brownstones around Brooklyn. And, and we happened to land there at the right time. And uh, we, in those days, you could buy a brownstone for a five-figure number without a problem, a low five-figure number, actually. And so we bought one or two, fixed them ourselves, and... Got a mortgage and open the store. <laughs> it's, it's straightforward as that. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, which then leads up to obviously a condensed way of telling this kind of the origin of the brand, but kind of taking us to where we are today. Um, tell us a little bit about um, obviously the holiday season just wrapping up and we're beginning the new year. Tell us kind of the st- uh, kind of position of Jay McLaughlin and where you're at after the holiday season and kind of the behavior you saw from your consumers last, uh, you know, Q4. Sure. So, you know, we, we were very pleased with the results that we saw in November and December. Uh, interestingly enough, the very large days, Black Friday and Cyber Monday were not what we had seen historically in terms of being the largest days. The season to, seemed to be, and particularly that weekend, seemed to be a little more spread out. What was very encouraging for us was the Saturday after Black Friday. Uh, you know, Black Friday is traditionally a very promotional day. We, we do a promotion for one day and we are not a promotional brand, but you know, we feel like it's the right thing to do in the mix. That Saturday, our business went back to being 96% full price. So, um, so we were super encouraged that our customer liked our offering and, and was in shopping full price for themselves and for their gifts. The key categories that really stand out as usual, sweaters um, is always one of the top categories. 
Um, and then some of the accessory categories in women's, particularly bags, had a very large day. Um, and our men's business, which has we've been focused on for the entire year, really saw a very strong holiday season. Um, and, and their standout categories were sweaters and outerwear. So maybe, in, and I neglected to ask after uh, kind of the, my first question, just maybe tell us a little bit about your core customer. Because, you know, um, we didn't talk about that a lot, but, you know, and we, I asked kind of what we saw at the holiday season and what you saw from your customer, but really for the audience, just kind of maybe tell us a little bit about the J.M. Glocken customer. Yeah, so what, what I would say, Joe, just to take a step back is, you know, after 40 years of an amazing history that Jay and Kevin built, um, and they did build an incredibly loyal following, um, the last six or seven years, the team has really focused on evolving the product, evolving the presentations, evolving the platforms we're on, and evolving our process. All of that has to do with customer satisfaction, right? We want our customer experience to be better than anyone else's out there. And historically, that is exactly what it is. Um, so from, from our point of view, customer service begins with beautiful product that is fairly priced and shown in charming stores and locations where they like to shop by a team of people who truly are passionate about the brand and about giving them the best service in the industry. In terms of channel, how do you see the breakdown of your customers, uh, brick and mortar shoppers, digital, kind of the overlap between the two? Our customers love to shop in our stores. We have 174 stores um, in, in beautiful locations, and that is by far um, their primary choice. 75% of our sales in any given year are done in stores. The balance 25, obviously done on e-commerce, and the crossover is roughly 15% who shop both channels. Those 174 stores, I believe you quoted, um, spread out across the country. Tell me a little bit about the geographic makeup of that store uh, 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 footprint. Sure, we are across the country. Um, we say Maine to Maui is our is our range, um, but we are very focused on the East Coast and specifically in the Southeast. Um, so as we look to expand, we're very excited about the potential to sort of fill in from the East Coast to the West Coast, where we where we do have a presence in California with 12 stores. And let's talk a little bit about the product um, and um, specifically where you stand from an inventory position. You mentioned full price shoppers through you saw that, you know, you were able to do that. And it's not a promotional brand, as you noted. Um, tell us a little bit about how you look uh, in terms of inventories we begin this uh, 2024. Our inventories are very healthy. They're in line with the the growth that we see heading into next year um, and very balanced, balanced basics to fashion, balanced in the categories. Um, and it's it's a very, you know, we have a very healthy turn. So inventory is current and, and we feel very good about the positioning. It's asking you to look a little bit into the future, but in terms of the category mix, do you anticipate any shift in your consumer's behavior in terms of category and what you're planning for as we go through 2024? Or you've kind of established that, that core buyer and they come back again and again for a lot of the same goods? Well, there are certain classifications which they do come back for. Our dress business is always strong. Our, our pant business, we have a pant that fits. And if you have a pant that fits a woman, she knows it, you can own that customer. And so we, we both of those are, are, are tried and true for us. 
where we have the ability to make some progress is in handbags and shoes and accessories. Um, the power of a signature handbag, when it starts to catch momentum, is fantastic. And uh, that is an area that I think we can put more of an effort into and, and develop something proprietary that uh, could uh, have a, a very strong result. Uh, shoes have been fabulous for us. We continue uh, to grow that business. It is the entry point to our business for most new customers come in, believe it or not, on a shoe purchase. Um, and then I would talk about what that emphasis we will give to men's. We'll get a more time, attention, and dollars than it has historically gotten. We, we uh, our men's business has uh, diminished because of the women's success over the last 15, 20 years. And now Mary Ellen sees it as an opportunity and has put the directive out to, to grow that business. So that will be a place that we put uh, a strong emphasis. Will, as more and more people go back into offices, um, how does that potentially impact? You know, it's not the, you know, kind of an elevated casual look. Um, it's become kind of standard in offices. How does that kind of impact what you're planning for at uh, J.M. McLaughlin? It's a good question. You know, I mean, it's already been a challenge enough to see who's coming back and who isn't coming back. And there are those that resist it. Uh, which is going to, I mean, for a much bigger audience than just Jay McLaughlin, how that's going to be handled. And then what is the tone once we're in the office? I don't expect we will ever see 100% attendance now, so people will be sharing desks, etc. Will there be a more relaxed um, dress code uh, as sort of the, the trickle down of that? I don't know. What do you think, Ralph? Well, I believe we've already seen somewhat of a return to classics mm -hmm. starting this fall to tailored clothing in women's. You know, we, mm -hmm. we the, the hot item everywhere, including a Jamie Walker, was a double pleated pant, which you haven't seen in years, and a tailored blazer that everyone is throwing on either as their outerwear piece or as or as an innerwear piece. Um, but I, what I, I think the key to success here is to having pieces that are versatile, pieces that can go to the office, can go to a day you're staying home, can go to dinner, can go to a soccer game, right? It, it's all of those things. And, and those are some of the pieces that we really um, have built our business on. So, you know, some core mm -hmm. turtlenecks to Kevin's point, some core pants, um, a, a great crisp menswear shirt, like things that people know that they can use for many functions. Yeah, those lifestyle products to your point and uh, that that really are versatile and, and, and can serve many different needs, whether you're going into the office, whether you're going out to dinner or whatever the case may be. It's kind of been, um, you're seeing that more and more. Uh, we, we touched on physical retail for a minute. Um, tell us a little bit about plans for 2024, uh, expansion, kind of staying where you're at, potential, um, you know, any downsizing in your store account. What does that look like in terms of physical footprint um, in 2024? In 2024, we're looking to continue um, our historic build. So the last few years, we've opened roughly 10 stores a year, uh, including this year, 2023. And in 2024, it will be the same. We've signed six of the 10 leases and, and we're excited to move forward. We see tremendous retail opportunity. Again, as I mentioned earlier, there's opportunity in the geography. There's also opportunity in markets where we've been successful to add a second or third store. Um, and then and then lastly, we're seeing tremendous population diversity and people spending more time in places post pandemic 
that would have never supported a retail store. But we've now seen some of those locations are becoming incredibly profitable for us. And what about the digital side of the business? As you open more stores, obviously, sometimes you see that halo effect. Is that something that you're seeing and counting on? And, and what can you do? I think you mentioned about 25% of the businesses from the e-commerce side of the house. Tell us what you can do to potentially continue to raise that number as well. Oh. Well, you know, I think the, the ultimate goal is an omni-channel shopper mm -hmm. and, and is the most productive. But I always say um, there is no better way to tell the brand story than in the store. How we do that online, which we strive for every day, is, is never sufficient in my mind. To really get that experience of seeing it all together and have the sales associate, etc., all of those amenities uh, really... Um, are irreplaceable, uh, you know. So, first and foremost, as an acquisition tool, is to open new stores, uh, and and then we concentrate our time on, on on just trying to improve the digital experience to match what they find in the store. That being said, Joe, we are replatforming our e-commerce business um, on February first. We're very excited to be going to. Um, we're going to Shopify Plus, which we believe will be a much uh, more friendly user experience, uh, definitely a frictionless experience. And we believe that will have impact our e-commerce penetration. Mm -hmm. In addition, categories such as men's and footwear tend to be higher businesses online. So I think the combination of those two things, we may see, we may see the e-commerce business go from 25 to a 30% penetration. But to Kevin's point, people love to spend time in our stores, so we don't see it going much higher than that. I do think the men's component there's no question that we can reach a much broader audience online. Our stores are dominantly women's. We just opened our first men's only store in Palm Beach. But the, the women's atmosphere dominates the store, so it's not the easiest sell to get a, a gent to come in and weave his way through a bunch of dresses to, you know, and without a dedicated sales associate or something in men's. Uh, so the online opportunity to reach a broad audience in men's is, is something that uh, we will address this year. I mean, you you have budgeted real men's marketing at this stage, am I correct? Yeah, did you see previously, and uh, you know, obviously I think maybe you'll see again, um, you know, even though they're buying men's products, purchases are being made a lot of time by women, so the wives or girlfriends or, you know, so that, that behavior is, you know, buying men's goods, but uh, not necessarily a man making that purchase. I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think that is more, Prevalent. I don't know if we have statistical evidence on that now, Mary Ellen, but I think it's more prevalent than we realize. And we will certainly have to be careful in our digital marketing to men's that we speak to her also. How about other capital investments? You mentioned the replatforming. Platforming. Is there other target areas and where that uh, you're you've got planned out uh, as we look ahead to the to the full year? The biggest opportunity we have in 2024 is customer acquisition. Right. We know that when customers come into the Jay McLaughlin brand, they are so pleased with the brand and they remain loyal. Our retention rates are very high um, and our repeat purchases very frequent. Uh, but we would like to bring more people into the brand and show them what, what, you know, what it's like to be a Jay McLaughlin loyal customer. In order to do that, we will really be increasing our marketing efforts both on the traditional medium side, which would be catalog for us, but more importantly on the digital side. With the evolution of digital marketing and all that is happening there in terms of predictive personalization, we're, we're very excited about really <laughs> increasing the spend to have digital return at a much higher rate than we, you know, than we had before. With that catalog business that you just mentioned, Marion, 
does that offer, I would imagine, a wealth of customer data that you can then you leverage that for some of that uh, digital personalization that you're talking about? Tell us maybe how that factors into planning as well. Absolutely. So we do, you know, have a, a pretty sophisticated CRM system. So we're able to map customer journey. We're able to see, I mean, catalog absolutely brings in our most loyal and our, our longstanding customers. We know that. Um, digital has not caught up with that yet, but who's to say, you know, over time if that will happen, but it does inform many of the decisions that we are able to make. You know, conversely, digital, um, when you think of all the different channels, it's a, it's a business that's very easy to manage because the results are instant. You can see every week we are looking at the return on our investments per channel and we're able to push and pull as appropriate. So it's, it's, it's one that you don't have to get as far out as you do with catalog in terms of committing. Are there specific channels that you're leaning into more that you've seen that ROI that you're valuing and others that maybe you're moving away from conversely? We are really focused over the next 12 to 24 months on influencer and how much that can play a part of what we're doing. Um, obviously organic social is very important to us and we have a lot of people who just love the brand who happen to post for us, but this idea of influencers who truly love the brand and are authentic to the brand, but have a much broader reach than we do, mm -hmm. um, I would say is one of the key strategies for 24. Great. Anything else that you want to add, Kevin or, or Mary Ellen, as we, as we think about uh, opportunities for Jay McLaughlin in the new year? We are going to have two pop-ups in Europe in the spring to really just test the potential for markets that are outside of the U.S. So that's exciting for us. Again, we'll be very thoughtful. Yeah. It's a very small test, but it, it could lead to a much bigger growth opportunity for us. Do you see any digital traffic coming from international markets or you're, you're this is kind of your first kind of uh, toes in the water this here? This is our first toes in the water. Okay, great. Yeah, we're excited about it. I am very excited about it, yes. Great. Well, um, I want to take the opportunity to thank Mary Ellen Coyne and Kevin McLaughlin of Jay McLaughlin for joining us on this episode of Total Retail Talks. Thank you, the two of you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Total Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Talks.